<laughs> Hello, boils and ghouls, creeps and kiddies. It's your old pal, the Cryptkeeper. Tonight's tale of terror comes from the Trick or Treaters podcast. Join them as they journey into the horrifying unknown. <laughs> You are listening to the Trick or Treaters podcast, part of the Slash and Cast podcast network. Movie reviews, horror news, and all the gory details. Listen if you dare. And hello everyone and welcome to episode number 20 of the Trick or Treaters podcast. I am your host Kyle and as always I'm joined by my co-host JR. JR, how you doing man? I'm doing well, uh, Kyle. First of all, I'd like to apologize to our audience. I was not here for Brad Sugar's Dracula. One of the things that Kyle and I had talked about um, off off the microphone was, you know, we love what we do and we love covering, you know, the horror our horror films. But we sometimes, I think, in the beginning of this, we didn't take into account our own personal lives. And yeah. When it was time to cover Bram Stoker's Dracula, I realized um, it was the weekend of my wife's and I uh, first date anniversary. And for my wife, she's really big into anniversaries and, you know, and birthdays. I'm not big into my birthday. I celebrate. I really celebrate going on vacation on my own birthday. <laughs> and, uh, you know, COVID, obviously, I feel like we talk about it every single time. But, you know, we live in the COVID alternate universe and things get slipped up, at, you know, it. I think right now it was really important. You know, I spent time with my wife and I appreciate Kyle and um and our good friend who did Brad Stoker's Dracula for me. And then I stepped out and, you know, I just got a chance to spend the weekend with my wife and uh, to celebrate. We've been together for that lucky number 13. Heck yeah. 13 years uh, since we had saw with our first date and we were college sweethearts and we got married. So uh, again, apologize, but, you know, one of those things where definitely got to take care of personal business. You got to be there for your significant other. So, yep, I agree. I, I didn't blame you one bit for uh, having to step out, step, step away for that weekend. Weekend was completely fine. And I'm, I'm glad you and your wife had a good weekend and, uh, and a happy anniversary to y'all. Yeah. So, how was, uh, how's been your week, Kyle? Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's been. It's been kind of boring, uh, mostly uh, work. Uh, occasionally, uh, I did a couple of days ago, I did get to play Among Us with some of my friends uh, from the SlashCast podcast uh, network, which was which was fun. I haven't got to play, but I think it's been like a week or so since we played, so it was fun getting to play again. But other than that, I've mostly just, just, just worked as usual. <laughs> yeah, this, this last weekend has been getting... This is a fun time for me, the January, and I feel like I've been saying that a lot with a lot of podcasts because we had it, fall is my time because I'm a big football fan, and then we got we had the playoffs with baseball, yeah, with the World Series Dodgers. I'm a big Dodger fan with the World Series, but this time of January, like this specific week, so on January that just passed, um, January 23rd, we had a big UFC fight, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. We had a big upset. I'm a big UFC fan, and then. The Sunday the 24th was Championship Sunday. We had the NFC-AFC Championship, so now we have the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Mahomes versus Brady. It's going to be a Super Bowl of uh, 55 on February 7th. And then also, you know, those being wrestling fans, there was today, there was a, um, I believe it's Republic Day in India, and WWE with their uh, television deal with India, Sony 6, they had did a special uh, spectacle called Superstar Spectacle, where they showcase a lot of their uh, talents like Charlotte Flair and AJ Styles, and as, as well as some of the uh, talent that they discovered in the Middle East and in India. And they kind of put it together to create a really, you know, really cool thing that was presented in India for the population. But also we got a to see on network. And I got a chance to see that today as we're recording Tuesday, January 26th. And then this weekend coming up is the Royal Rumble, as you and I are big wrestling fans. You know, this is kind of kicks off the the road WrestleMania. And for me, I actually, you know, WrestleMania being a, got a chance to go is awesome. But Royal Rumble is to me is like the, the most fun even I've ever had a chance to see. And I actually was at one. I went to 2005, saw Batista win his first Royal Rumble. And I just had so much fun at that, you know, getting the countdown. And then now with having a women's and men's Royal Rumble, it's pretty awesome. So it's kind of been a whole busy week between the UFC event on uh, January 23rd. And as we get to uh, January 31st for the, for the 2021 Royal Rumble. Yeah. I'm uh I'm excited about the Royal Rumble. It's always it's always something an event I look forward to every year. Even if I even if I don't keep up with WWE as much as I used to, it's still something I make sure I I, I, I watch every year. And I, one of the other things, and kind of uh, if we switch gears a little bit to uh, news, this Friday as this will drop on Friday, January 29th, on yep. HBO Max, uh, the new movie part of the Warner Brothers deal with HBO Max is going to drop. The Little Things, uh, starring uh, Denzel Washington, Jared Leto, and Rami Malek, yeah, to be a very suspenseful thriller. Yeah, I've been really, looking. I'm, uh, I saw a trailer for that uh, last last month, and I was like, wow, that this looks really interesting. And so uh, I've been looking forward for that to drop, and so I'm definitely gonna be uh, checking that out. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to. It. I'm a big fan of Denzel Washington. Yeah, I've really grown to like uh, Rami. Um, I saw him in Bohemian Rhapsody. I thought he did an amazing job as Freddie Mercury. He did the TV show, and I'm trying to remember what it was called. Uh, I think it was Mr. Robot. My wife really enjoyed him in that. I, I think he's done a, a pretty amazing job, so I can't wait to see him in, in the little things. And Jared Leto, I mean, if you think what he's done in his career, especially, you know, recently um, – as a Joker in one of the films I saw him in, is you know when he was in Suicide Squad, and then he, you know a lot of people loved him in Dallas Buyers Club. Um, I remember one of the first movies I ever saw him in was, I believe he was the brother of Nicolas Cage in Lord of War. It was one of the yeah. first movies I saw him in. So that sounds you know, the, yeah. I've been following his career uh, for maybe, the last fifteen years. The, the movie I know him mostly for is a movie that that I. Uh, how liked uh, it, it's a wonderful it's an amazing film but it's a movie that i don't want to revisit again because of just how heavy it is and that's a, and that's work room for a dream 
Yeah, that movie came 21 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that, but yeah, it's a it, it's a great, great, great movie that I, I I would say people should probably watch at least once. But once was enough for me. That movie is way too heavy to to, to revisit. But uh, yep. yeah. Since we're on news though, uh, but uh, since we're on we're, we went ahead and on news, uh, I am excited about the little things. And also, uh, I found out yesterday, uh, the the Mecha Toonie Terror uh toy line that, that that you can find at like Walmart and Target and other little stores. It's little horror figures, but it's like more of like a cartoon stylized version of it. Uh, next month in February, uh, they're releasing a a a, uh, a Grady twins from The Shining uh, a, a figure in that line. So I'm I'm definitely gonna have to pick them up and uh, add them to my collection. I've always been the the, the, the Grady twins has always been like an iconic uh, iconic figures in horror, especially they just have like one of those iconic hallway scenes in horror. In this Stanley Kubrick's Shining, yeah, that's awesome. You know, horror collectors, uh, collectibles. I feel, especially in the last year, has kind of gone up the roof. I started collecting the the NECA uh, figures with my with Halloween, but I see, you know, you and I are in the Facebook group with the, uh, Ultimate Horror Collectibles. There's, a, there's so much amazing uh, things out there that people collect from various different aspects and figures are a big part of it and with that one of the things i saw them um, you and i were on uh, the uh dennis santa carla yesterday going over rating our favorite vampire movies i also s- saw that pop funko is dropping a bram stoker's dracula release yeah yeah i might have to pick up one of those uh one of those gary oldman vampire uh, uh dracula figures Oh, speaking of the of the horror figure groups uh, that we're in, uh, I saw it yesterday, and I like, man, I like, I gotta have this at some point, but it's it, it's like two hundred dollars, so obviously I can't get it right now. But there's a sideshow collectibles ghost face I saw, and it just looks amazing, and I was like, okay, I've gotta have this. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. one day I can add it to my collection. <laughs> You know, I've seen since I've been, you know, got involved into it and looking at the. That's why for me, I want to be specific in my collect my uh, collection of horror. You know, because that's my number one movie is Halloween. Because the, not that there isn't so many like Scream and Nightmare and Friday and and you just, like I just mentioned from um. Uh, Escape from Mind, the the title of it, The Shining. Um. There's so many amazing things out there, but it's very easily to not just amass a collection, but also drop some heavy, heavy amount of money into it. And I've seen, you know, a Pop Funko was, te- you know, around $8.99, $10.99 if you buy it, you know, as soon as it comes out. But there's some collectibles that I've seen $750, $1,000 for uh, authentics, you know, replica scale bus statues that people that are you know really beautiful but people are you know spending thousands and thousands of dollars for statues and stuff like that you know for their um you know their man cave or their she shed whatever that they have 
it's pretty it's very easy to get out of it but you know out of control but there's some phenomenal things out there oh yeah i could agree more with you uh it's horror collections uh it's fun but man it's it's an expensive hobby uh we got one more news thing and uh this one's uh a lot bigger uh i know uh me and you've talked about it here just recently before we started recording uh so as everybody knows, the trailer for uh, Godzilla vs. Kong uh, came out uh, this past uh, this past Sunday, and man, it is it looks awesome. I'm I'm super excited for that. Yeah, I saw that trailer. I saw it twice actually um, since it dropped. If for me, I've never been big into monster films. Yeah. Uh, similar, you know, Godzilla. But I started watching it when they did the last few, um, especially, you know, I think the first one may have been Godzilla King of Monsters, I think it was. Or maybe that was the second one. No, I saw uh, the first two Godzillas. Yeah, uh, uh, King of the Monsters was the most recent one. Okay, so I saw the first two for sure, though. What, what, I mean, there's only been two. This is essentially the third one that's been a part of this line. And um, this one just looks amazing as soon as i saw you know king kong yeah and you know him basically colliding with godzilla i was just completely blown away how great yeah. it works and then for me i've become a fan of her because of stranger things you know millie brown who plays yeah you know, ellie or 11 in stranger things she's going to be in this film and i think that is phenomenal because like I, I really did enjoy her quite a bit in stranger things i think she will definitely bring um you know, another dimension to this Godzilla film. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, I liked uh, I liked the first Godzilla, and I loved King of the Monsters, and I really enjoyed uh, Kong Skull Island as well. So it's going to be fun seeing these two finally go against each other on the big screen. Uh, I think it uh, it also recently it just got pushed uh, pushed up not back and it didn't get delayed it actually got pushed up to March I think March 31st is when that comes out now and if I'm if I'm not mistaken is that going to be on HBO Max or is it just theaters no I'm pretty I, I'm checking right now as we speak but I'm yeah. very confident it's going to be on HBO Max. Um, this is another one that's yeah. a part of the, yeah. Okay. You know, yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, there's some areas that theaters open. I live in an area where there is no theater that's open right now. So that's, you know, this is, that's the one that's tough because there is absolutely no way that I'll be able to see this film in a theater unless I travel out of my state. And this is a film that I would love to watch in theaters, you know, with that yeah. cinematography, those, you know, the production, the graphics. Oh yeah. Sound. I mean, so if you have, if you're able to socially distance and do all that, this is a, you know, if you only pick one, God, I hate to even say it, but like, if you only are able to pick one film to watch in theater, I think I may would pick this one over Halloween Kills for me, because I feel like. Wait, you know, really? Yeah, and the wow. reason I say that, Wow. The reason I said is because I think. What you will get out of this film, seeing it in theaters, would be, you know, the sound effects, the, the you know, the mass, the, the high definition quality of it is more significant 
than what you would get out of, you know, a movie like Halloween. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It, it, so, it, it, it gets you, yeah. So, I mean, you, obviously, you know, when you see a movie in a movie theater and you then you see it, you know, in the cover of your home, you obviously are losing, you know, the sound quality, you're, you're losing the visual effects, you know, the, even if you have a 4K television, you can replicate that experience in a movie theater. And some movies, that's okay because you can deal with that, whether it be, you know, like Halloween or even like, for example, the movie that we just talked about, Little Things. But when you have like an, you know, action-packed film that this film is going to be like, you're going to lose a lot of that significantly. You know, I remember one of the examples I'll give when I was in uh, on my honeymoon, my wife and I, we had never seen a IMAX film. This was before IMAX opened up in my area. So we saw Interstellar the, with Matthew McConaughey in IMAX in uh, in Canada. And so I thought it was, you know, phenomenal, the sound and everything, the picture. When you come home and it came out on DVD, you know, I bought the Blu-ray and put it on. And it, you just see so much, like, you feel like you're just missing so much, like, the, the atmosphere. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and now that you put it that way, yeah, I can see why you'd want to see this one in theaters. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I have a theater here that's open, but, like, they're only open on the weekends now, uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that it'll get it here. Uh, I'll probably, I'll probably try and go and see it in theaters versus watching it on HBO Max, but I'm, uh, I'm definitely going to see this one and for sure going to check out how little things here uh, you said it comes out friday yes this friday uh yeah okay so it'll come out the day this episode drops and cool awesome so yeah that's all i've got uh on 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 uh, new stuff so uh i guess we'll go ahead and We'll get into the uh, meat and bones of this episode. So for all those uh, who's been following us, uh, you know, uh, for all of this month, we've done vampire films. And so, you know, we're ending our final episode in January with, uh, with a really fun film. Uh, I, I hadn't watched this in a long – it had been years ago since I'd watched this and, and revisiting what was a lot – more enjoyable than I had thought than I thought it would be, and I actually really really enjoyed it. Uh, we're talking about 1998's John Carpenter's Vampires. So, Carmen, hit the trailer. Have you ever seen a vampire? They're not romantic. Forget whatever you've seen in the movies. They don't turn into bats. Crosses don't work. You want to kill one? You drive a wooden stake right through his heart. We think we got a nest inside this place. Let's get to work. Figure out at least six goons, maybe more. Chances are we'll find a master in here somewhere. Behind us! 
we were set up. He knew my name. It's time to kill some vampires. It all right. So we're talking about, you know, John Carpenter's Vampires uh, from 1998. It was directed by John Carpenter. The screenplay was by Don uh, Jacoby. It stars James Woods, Daniel Baldwin, Cheryl Lee, Thomas Ian Griffith, Maximilian Scheele, and Tim Ginney. Uh, it was released October 30th, 1998, and here's the <laughs> here's a funny thing. It had a budget of 20 million dollars, and it says it only made a domestic box office of 20.3 million. Yeah, so I was looking up the information about the box office. What's missing is the international box office that moved. For some reason, that information wasn't disclosed. Okay. But based on from what I've read, including um, some information that was said by John Carpenter, this movie was extremely successful overseas. They said it specifically in Japan it was successful. And yeah. one of the things that you had mentioned, this was the only film of the 90s that was a profitable film that was directed by John Carpenter. Yeah, this uh, this is the only film he saw financial success on in the 90s. And uh, also, uh, this uh, so before he filmed this movie, uh, he was actually thinking of, of, of quitting d- 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 directing movies and everything because he just was burnt out and wasn't having any success, uh, hadn't had any success in a while. And so, uh, he saw this film and you know, he thought it would be, be fun to do, and it was because of – of, of how uh, how much it was because of the success of this film and just him enjoying it in general is what brought him back into directing uh, again. Yeah, and uh, the other thing I also would mention, and this is showing the importance of home video at the time, you know, with movie rental places like Blockbuster that this film in rentals and sales made over $40 million in 1999, 1999 money, uh, which is equivalent today of about $62 million. So this movie, based on from what, I, what I could find on overseas and box office rental, definitely uh, tripled, if not quadrupled, its budget. Oh wow! Uh, also, found out that uh, I don't know if you noticed this. Uh, I noticed this uh, throughout the movie when I was watching it. That uh, so uh, you know most vampire films, you know they just call people you know vampires or like you know head vampire. They have a certain name for head vampires and and stuff like that. And you know vampire hunters. Well, this movie. Uh, they called like you know the, the head vampire was called the master and you know the vampire hunters were called slayers and 
the only other vampire property that I ever saw do that is from Buffy. And so it, it was fun seeing stuff from that I knew from, from Buffy uh, uh, being put into this. Yeah, I mean, most of the times you have elders or, you know, for example, like Underworld, you know, theirs were called elders. They're the head of the vampire uh, clan and the species. Yeah. Though with this one is the other thing I want to mention about vampires, and I didn't know about this until recently, the John Copper's Vampires is loosely based off a 1990 horror novel that was written by John Steakley that was called Vampires, with the S being a dollar sign. And but it is significantly different than the movie. You know, reading about the plot summary of the book. One of the things that it talked about was the use of silver bullets. That's there's nowhere in this film that we talk about the use of silver bullets. In fact, um, one of the things I'll, we'll just mention now, this movie kind of breaks a little bit from vampire mythos. You know, we heard things about holy water and crosses and garlic. This film specifically goes out of way to mention that only wooden stakes and sunlight work. Yeah, uh, yeah, I noticed that because it's like the only they only kill, kill people, kill the vampires with you know stakes or sunlight. I know that they would use guns to kind of slow them down, but you know that's all they used. Unlike other vampire tropes, they didn't use like you know garlic or holy water or anything like that. Uh, uh, when I was reading up some of the little interesting facts, so so when I was reading up, so uh, so James Woods. And John Carpenter, uh, that they had a great time uh, filming this movie together. And apparently, like uh, uh, James Woods, uh, at the time, uh, I don't know if it like changed any, but he apparently had like a a reputation of being hard to work with. Apparently, he was real easy to work with, as uh, John Carpenter said he was for, for him. And they even had this thing where. They do this thing where John Carpenter would direct would direct one scene, and you know James Wood w- would do what he said in that scene, and then the next scene John Carpenter would allow James Woods t- to improv with the, that scene, and so they would switch in and out every other scene. Carpenter would direct a scene, and the next scene James Wood would uh, do improv on it. Yeah, I know, and I was trying to think of some of the movies I remember. He had a, I don't want to say cameo, but he had like, uh, and I don't want to say supporting character either, but he had a role in the film, the 1995 uh, Scorsese film Casino. He was yeah. in Nixon. He was in Ghost of Mississippi. And this was, this was kind of his first, from what I remember seeing, and actually right before this, he was the voice of Hades in the Disney film Hercules. But you know, this was the first film that he got a chance to play an action star. And I yeah. wonder, because it was completely different than what he was used to, if he was essentially a problem actor on set, that because this was different and because he had a good rapport with John Carpenter, he may have been on a, you know, good boy behavior, so to yeah. speak. Um, one of the other things that was I read that was interesting about this and one of the reasons why John Carpenter wanted to direct it and potentially when James Wood leading it is 
you could actually, and you see it in this film, and I think it's a lot of the reasons because the sets they were used, you know, it's the beginning of it is set in New Mexico. It's almost a vampire western. Yeah. And you see uh, James Wood, he kind of, ha- you know, as that Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, you know, but modern version of, you know, one of the these out- outlaws. Yeah, exactly. That's what, uh, that's what I was going to mention while I was watching it. I couldn't help but like while I was uh, couldn't help but just think to myself, this this feels like a western meets a vampire film to me, honestly. And it and yeah, I'm glad other people other people got that same that same feeling as well. Yeah, and I think when, when um, my western uh, movies, I'm not you know brushed up on enough of it. But when you see John Carpenter, excuse me, when you see James Wood as Jack Crow, and you see Thomas Ian Griffin as Valak, this became a very personal film. There's a vendetta between the two. Um, Because Valak specifically goes out of his way to call out Jack Crow. And you really don't, you know, in other vampire films, you really don't see that um, where, whether it be, even Blade, you know, slayers are going after slayers or vampire hunters. They're going after their prey, um, in a, in that to kill them. This is one where this he is specifically going out of his way and on a murderous rampage to get to James Wood or just me Jack Rowe. Yeah, I think creating that personal vendetta between the two, the Slayer versus you know the the master vampire is essentially like your, you know, cowboy versus your sheriff type. Yeah, yeah, that's how I felt too. That's one of the reasons why I said it felt like a western to me was because of stuff like that. But yeah, uh, let's go ahead and get. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about it. Yeah. So right, the first thing you mentioned is. Uh, the beginning of this, we see essentially the equivalent of an armored truck driving into abandoned, uh, near abandoned house, and the, the area is considered the middle of New Mexico during the daylight. These, sl- it's a team of slayers, and as soon as they come out, we see a. I want to say it's close to about a dozen of them, and they're led by James Wood, who's played plays Jack Crow, Daniel Baldwin, who plays uh, Tony Montoya. Through this film, you'll hear them say Jack is what James Woods' character is referred to. Daniel Baldwin will be referred to Montoya throughout, you know, most of this film. And as soon as they they come out, they also have with them a, fa- a father uh, with him who essentially blesses the Slayers as they're about ready to go into this raid to go after vampires. And they suit up and they have everything from axes to machine guns to uh lights to stakes to spears they have uh i want like chain mail coverage for their necks whatever you could think of that would help them fight a vampire they got that as far as to for to be offensive and defensive protection and we also kind of find out with the father the priest um his name was i believe father giovanni i believe his name was they are being uh, sponsored by the Catholic Church, which for me was a very interesting uh, 
aspect of this where it comes out that essentially vampires have been around for generations and the Catholic Church has been very proactive in fighting vampires. Avoid things like, uh, you know, history, historical uh, context has always been very interesting when I see my movies. One of the big reasons why a movie like National Treasure, I've always had a lot of fun watching about it. Um, you know, one like Angels and Demons or Da Vinci Code, that type of historical information and how it kind of meshes with this, you know, fictional movie has always been interesting. What did you think about that? Yeah, I like that. Uh, I haven't seen many vampire movies that do things like that where, where you know, everybody knows the existence of vampires. And then they also got, you know, the churches involved with the helping of going after and killing and basically, basically contracting out these people to kill the vampires. Yeah, so... Basically, to sum up this beginning opening sequences, the vampire hunters go into the house and it's like really a broken down, you know, old prairie house. And they, you know, kill about uh, 10 to 12 uh, vampires, but they do not find the master vampire. And Jack is very, very um, concerned about this. He talks about it, like we should have found a master and decide to uh, to take off. And as they take off, we see a pair of hands coming up from uh, from dirt that was underneath the tree. The uh, slay the slayers they head back to a local motel and they take over the yeah. entire motel. They have women, uh, they have liquor, they got everything. Before we get into uh, before we get into this part though, let's uh, I want to talk about uh, uh, I love the way that they 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 cleared out the house like. They have this like, uh, they have this like a, it's like a, I don't know if it's like a, a spear gun. Yeah, it's like a winch, but it, it, where like they uh, hit, it shoots something, it shoots this like a little spear through and it hits the vampires and then they fall down and then it drags them out of the house into the, the sun and burns them alive. And I, they do this with all of them. And what's great is after they burn them all alive, they take their skulls and they put them on top of the little Slayer van thing, and I, and I like that they uh, uh, they call the vampires goons. Yeah, well, essentially what it is is that they have an armor truck, but also Montoya drives a jeep. On the jeep has a winch, and what happened? What they essentially do is they attach the winch to a crossbow, and Jack. Um, and even if they stab the vampire with a stake, Jack shoots him with a crossbow, and Montoya hits the winch to automatically pull the vampire out of the house into the sunlight to essentially ensure the vampire is dead. And some of the vampires they're pulling out, you could see that they're very dead already, but they're, you know, it's like the zombie land double tap. Yeah, always got to double tap. Got to make sure they're dead. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's very, and that actually will come into play, you know, later through the film is the importance of this, of the Jeep and the winch. Uh, and as they go into, as back to, they go into the motel and they're talking about, you know, like, so they're having a lot of fun, but Jack is extremely, you know, wor worrisome about, about the, uh, about not finding a master they kind of talk about going back and kind of recuperating and going back out on the trail. And 
as this happens, Jack meets a woman. Her name is Katrina, played by uh, Cheryl Lee. And they, she tells them, you know, maybe you should take your mind off things. And he says, oh, maybe you're right. He gives her a key so he can go back to his room. She's attacked by a vampire. This vampire looks completely different than the other vampires. You know, the other vampires, as you mentioned, you know, there were goons, which is actually a you know good name because this vampire, who we come to find out his name is Jean Valic, the master vampire. Uh, if I would say, you know, if you compare it to, let's say, a comic book villain, comic book villains, they have goons, they have yeah. goons, they have henchmen. And so he's the master, and these goons would look completely different. They're essentially, you know, disposable. Yeah. But he attacks Katrina, and he bites her. He actually bites her in between her thighs. And um, after this happens, we see Valak attack and in a very, very gruesome, gory way, completely destroy the entire Slayer team. Um, yeah. He, he cuts one of them. The first one, he cuts in half with his hand, puts like right through his stomach, and then essentially pulls it up like it's a sword. He puts his hand through somebody else, rips his heart out. Um, he kills the priest with the with a sawed off shotgun. I mean, he is he yeah, completely destroys everybody except Jack and, Mont- and Montoya. Yeah, he he basically like, he forces the priest to shoot himself with his with the sawed off shotgun, and you know. Th- that's like even worse because you know the the uh, the Catholic uh, uh, the Catholic Church and everything believe that you know if you commit suicide then that's uh, that pretty much uh, damns your soul to hell and you know this that's basically like an assisted suicide kill. Um. Yes. So when it's all the standing, you know, all the women are dead except Katrina, Montoya, and Crow, and they take off inside of a truck. Um, but Crow notices that Katrina is bitten and he takes him, even though Montoya tells him to leave her behind, Jack takes Katrina with him because of a link between a person who gets bitten by the vampire and the master vampire, yeah, um, which played by Valley. Yeah, I can essentially, uh, they'll, they'll essentially know the master vampire's location. Uh, because of their link, because of him biting them and everything. Uh, one of the things I'll talk about, uh, though, uh, you just mentioned earlier about how the goons look different than, you know, Valak, he's the master. <laughs> I couldn't help but, like, compare, compare him to this, but Valak looks way too similar to a Morbius from Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah because like, he had the full-on, like, black coat and everything and, and like his, he was just super pale and everything i was just like man this guy looks like morbius yeah and one of the things with this film that when you listen to um i mean if you read some uh, behind the scenes is they wanted this film to be completely different than what you would see like for example bram stoker's dracula um you know even if you take a like a tv show like buffy the vampire slayer and you see um uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Angel. Not well, Angel's level, but the other one, Spice. Yeah. They kind of have, you know, this kind of the way that they moved around, the way they talked, is you know, kind of like a gothic, you know, type of feeling. Interview with the vampire is another one, 
But even though he has the look of a gothic vampire, the way that he does everything is more, they do it more in the sense to be more seductive. Yeah, uh, that's what I noticed. uh, Unlike other vampire movies, uh, these vampires aren't trying to aren't trying to be like you know romanticized and and stuff like that the, 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 uh, like these vampires are fucking ruthless yeah i mean they specifically go out of the way to like there's they may look like they're gothic but they they're unstoppable killing machines and there's no two ways about that um after they escape uh jack tells montoya to take the girl to uh, a hotel as he Jack uh, goes back to the the motel and gets uh, what he does is he basically takes care of the team. He decapitates all the members' heads, burns all the bodies, and then buries the head miles down the road. And then he goes and reports to um, a Catholic cardinal who comes to know as Cardinal Alba. He's played by Maximilian Schnell. I actually remember seeing him in another movie. Um, it's a similar to Armageddon, Deep Impact. He had a role in Deep Impact. Uh, uh, Cardinal Alba Maximilian did. So he tells everything about what happened, and they explain um, that it's Valak. And this guy is the master vampire the first of his kind and they confirmed that phallic was a disgraced priest who led a rebellion against the church and they essentially performed a ritual on him that turned him into a vampire and alba the, the cardinal um he's also frequent by uh father adam who essentially takes the place of father uh, giovanni He's played by uh, Tim Gini, I believe his name is. Um, Yeah, that sounds right. To go back and to create a new team. But instead, uh, Jack and the father go to meet up with Montoya at the hotel so they can basically create a plot to go after uh, Valak. Yeah, I thought... uh... I thought that this was interesting, making the uh, master vampire a disgraced priest. That essentially the Catholic Church basically created the first the first vampire. And one of the things I, I kind of skipped over is as they were heading back to, um, as they're riding to the hotel. One thing that I, I forgot to mention was Valak knew of the team and knew of Jack. So Jack believes that it was some it was somehow like an insider thing that sold them out. So he yeah. pulls the truck over to the side of the road and he basically beats the shit out of the priest, yeah. uh, Father Adam, to you know basically ensure that he wasn't the one who turned on him. And he starts um this this film, even though it's a, you know it's gory and it's a horror film, has a lot of crude humor in it and some stuff I don't want to repeat, but definitely has a lot of uh, crude uh, humor and remarks to this yeah. film. And after um, Jack kicks Father Adam's ass, essentially you know does he starts like asking questions in a very crude manner about it the experience yeah 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 that was like one of my only gripes about this movie uh was 
some of the the language used, uh, and then some of the portrayals of like you know the men hitting women and stuff like that. Well, and it's as you say that as we um right before Father Adam and Jack gets a hotel, Katrina begins to turn and Montoya talks to her about turning. Well, she says she's gonna use the restroom and she tries to jump off. Um, they're about three or four stories up in this hotel, jump off the window and Montoya pulls her back and he cuts himself on the window and she bites Montoya, essentially affecting Montoya and Montoya um, slaps her around and punches her because of him biting her, of her biting him. And as they get to, uh, as Jack gets there, Katrina ends up getting linked back up with Valak and they find out that Valak uh, is at another church and is going after um, another priest, so they she the priest can show him uh, something that he's looking for. And we come to find out it's called the the Cross of Berzier, or also known as the Black Cross. And ooh, the Black Cross, how itchy. And before they take off to go find Valak, um, Jack, again, beats up Father Adam for him to, to tell him everything. And we did m- mention about leading the first, um, leading the rebellion and transforming to the first vampire. The way it happened was it was the Black Cross across the Berzy that was used in a forbidden exorcism that went wrong. And that's what turned... Uh, turn back into the first vampire. Yeah. How, how, how does an exorcism go so wrong that you create a vampire? That's, that's what I want to know. Because you're using a forbidden method that should not be used. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and so what they're finding out is that uh, Valak is looking for the cross because they want to complete the exorcism to, give him, to make him even more insolvable that would give him immunity to sunlight. And as they're Going after Valak, Valak heads to, I believe it's a, um, I'm trying to think of the, the term, I, I don't know if it's a mission or if it's like a, um, a monk temple, but Valak who recruits, um, he is the master, but he also uh, recruits basically equally as strong him as him other master vampires they go to this mission and they and again brutally kill all of these uh monks and takes the cross of berzier with him and they ended up um they used katrina psychic lock to track him down to an abandoned spanish town that i believe is called santiago and from here, they're trying to set up to fight to have like a last stand with Valak and his uh, his basically uh, crew of master vampires. As we get to, and this is where I mentioned about the wench is that they essentially have a team of three. They have Montoya, Jack, and Father Adam. Yeah. And what they essentially are going to do, they find out that these vampires are held up in a in an old rundown prison, is that they're going to shoot the vampires and then just drag out the vampires with the witch, 
and they find out the vampires are essentially more formidable than they are experienced to because they're not goons. These are, um, like as I mentioned, equally as strong as Valak, and they're able to kill two of them before it gets dark. And as they as it gets dark, um, Montoya and Katrina are about to drive away, and we see the vampires as well as Valak um, attack Jack. And then Father Adam ends up hiding inside of a bar, and Katrina is literally moments away from turning. Her and Montoya drive off, um, and we find out that Valak has essentially um, captured Jack. And we see a cutaway that Katrina frees himself, frees herself, and she bites Montoya. And uh, drinks his blood, and which causes them to kind of crash into a ditch. And she leaves the jeep and starts heading back to to the Spanish town. And we uh, see Valak, who has Jack in uh, captured. They he finds out that it wasn't Father Adam who sold him out. It was a Cardinal Alba, and Cardinal Alba had been working with Valak to finally complete the exorcism. And after the exorcism is complete, Valk is going to turn Cardinal Alba into a vampire as Cardinal Alba, as as being an older man, is fearful of dying. Yeah, he's basically like kind of lost his faith. And but he knows that, you know, these vampires have uh, can live for eternity. So, you know, that's his, it's his, it's why he sees his way out. Did you see uh, this twist with Cardinal Alba being the one helping no. coming? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely sure. not. And, yeah. and the whole point is, uh, I never we when we come to find out is that not only Carbo Alba is part of this, but Jack has to play a part because in order to complete the yeah. ritual, they need the blood of a slayer. So that's the reason why they captured Jack Crow because he is the slayer that they're going to use to be part of this ritual. And they ended up um they ended up basically tying him up like they're going to sacrifice Jack. They tie him to um like an old outdoor rustic cross and. We see that uh, Father Alba, Cardinal Alba is performing the ritual. He cuts uh, Jack's leg with a, a dagger and to pour his blood into a cup so Val can drink. And right before they're going to complete the ritual, Father Adam finds a shotgun inside this bar's high net too, and he kills Cardinal Alba. And at the exact same time, um, Montoya, even though he's bitten, he comes to save the day by using... The crossbow, uh, he shoots the the cross and pulls this. It's a, it's a rustic outdoor wooden cross. Pulls it to save Jack, and they end up. The sun is starting to come up. The ritual isn't completed. The vampires go into uh, try to go into hiding, and Jack ends up going into um, a final showdown with Valak. And Jack has a cross, and he uses the cross with this final showdown against Valak. At the same time. Montoya goes after uh, Katrina, who's now a full-fledged vampire, and we find out that in this weird twist of fate, actually starts actually has developed feelings for Katrina, even though he wanted at the beginning wanted to leave her for dead, and then he beats her for biting him, but now he's like in love with her now, even though she bit him twice. Yeah, so I don't. In terms of vampire. Yeah, I, I was confused by this whole him falling in love with Katrina because it was it just came out of nowhere it, it, I, I know it slowly developed like 
throughout the movie, but it didn't seem like really forced and just kind of like at a left field. Yes. I, it, it just kind of didn't make, this was a part I, I felt like it wasn't needed, but at the same time, I think yeah. it was kind of done in a way because Jack couldn't, I could see that Jack kind of had to be like the final like slayer standing, but they didn't want to kill off Montoya, but they also didn't want Jack to have to kill his friend. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can see that, and uh, it did like, uh, like you said, it, it just, it just, it just felt like it wasn't needed. Um, as we get to the ending, then uh, Jack has a final uh, showdown with Valak, and he uses the cross to stab um, Valak, and then drags him onto the sunlight, which causes Valak to explode, and the master vampire, the first of his kind, is dead. Um, at the at the very ending of the film, um, Jack has a conversation with Montoya, basically asking, you know, knowing that he's now been to a vampire when it happened, and he said it happened two days, and out of those, since he basically gave him two days of his time, he's going to give Montoya a two-day head start, but he says, I will find you, and when I find you, I will kill you and the girl. And as they ride off into the armored truck, we see Mon- um, Jack and Father Adam are headed off to kill the rest of the vampires. And that is essentially John Carpenter's uh, 1998 Vampires. It has, it's it's listed as 108-minute runtime. It, it probably is closer to about uh, 95 minutes, it seems like. It, it's a yeah. very fast-paced film, and it gets right into... Um, I'm, it gets right into it, and you know, before you know it, it's it's over. It does not drag on. It's very yeah. action packed. It's gory. Um, it, yeah, it's it's paced really well, and uh, like we said, it doesn't drag on. Like there's a lot of like from start to finish. There's a lot of stuff. Like uh, this movie is like it seems like they're always in action doing something, and there's really not any slow slow parts in this movie. Uh, yeah. what I like about that ending is uh, I love that you know he basically like even though Montoya was turning he knew Montoya was, was about to be a vampire and he had to hunt him uh, because Montoya had been bitten two days ago he told Montoya uh, Crow told Montoya that he'd give him two days because he gave him two days uh uh, after he was bitten, he helped him for two days, so so he felt it was right to give him two days to to try and get as far as he can. But then after that, he was gonna come for him, and then he kind of like hugged him at the end. But basically, it was more like a huh, I'm gonna I'm gonna track y'all down and kill y'all hug. Yeah, and you can I mean you can kind of tell that he does that he's heartbroken, but he knows that he has to do it because it's part of being. Um, it's part of being like a vampire slayer is that he yeah. can't allow him. Um, but one of the things is that I kind of liked about one of my favorite, um, you know, quote, for example, and, and you've heard it, I've heard it in, uh, in Punisher and I've heard it in this film as well. Is he tells him at the end, bio con Dios, which means go with God. He says, Vile Condio Slayer, which, you know, it's kind of a, you can tell it's a heartfelt sense, yeah. even though that he knows he's going to have to do something that's, that's going to hurt him. Um, 
in the end. Yeah. It, you know, and this film is a very there is no middle with this film. This film is either you love it or you hate it. Yeah. You yeah. know, looking um you know, I was looking over the reviews and reading some reviews and one of the things I wanted to mention because I feel it's appropriate. Everybody knows Cisco and Ebert. You know, Cisco and Ebert, the you know the late Cisco and Ebert, they uh, you know famous film critics. Um, Gene Cisco, this film came out a year before he died. He loved this film so much and enjoyed James Wood's character. He thought that James Wood uh, should have been nominated for an Oscar for, for his performance in this film. Oh wow. That's uh, that's interesting. I, I mean, I mean, I I love James Woods as a Jack Crow in this. I thought he was great. This is by far my my favorite favorite um, film that James Wood was in. And you know, just kind of to let people know who he would have been up against uh, as for best actor. I looked it up um, in the nineteen ninety nine. Uh, 71st Academy Awards. Uh, the winner was Roberto Benigni for Life is Beautiful, which I saw the movie three times in school. It's heartbreaking. Uh, Tom Hanks in Saving Pirate Ryan. Uh, Ian McKellen in Gods and Monsters. Uh, Nick Nolte in Affliction. And Edward Norton in American History X, which is another, has a very sad ending as well. Um, but yeah, just kind of throw that out there as kind of a tidbit information of what he would have been up against if he was running, if he would have been running for an Oscar. Oh wow, that's that's, that's quite a quite a lot to go, go to go against if he would have been running against it. But uh, right. uh yeah, uh, I I enjoyed him and uh, uh I, I thought everybody in this cast was great. Uh, Especially like a, especially in Montoya. I know, I don't know if you know or not, but uh, originally uh, uh, John Carpenter wanted uh, Bruce Campbell to play Montoya. No, I, um, it was actually he wanted. Uh, I believe he wanted Bruce Campbell to play Jack. Oh, he wanted was it Jack? He wanted, okay. Uh, he wanted Alec Baldwin, which is the most famous Baldwin, I believe. To be Montoya, and he had passed, and he passed it uh, for Daniel Baldwin to get it. Yeah. Um, that would have been interesting. Oh Bruce yeah, Bruce Campbell I mean, as Jack Crow, man. I I love Bruce Campbell. I oh, yeah. love him as oh, yeah. Ash. Um, I loved him in the TV show Burn Notice. I thought he was funny. I do not see um, Bruce Campbell in this film at all. This is. You know there is crude humor. Um, I apologize. You're I, you're corrected. Uh, it was Bruce Campbell was meant to be Montoya. I oh, was it okay? Yeah. Then it was Alec, Alec Baldwin actually was briefly accepted the role and then passed it to Daniel Baldwin. Okay. Um, but he was that's who John Carpenter wanted though was um, was uh, Bruce Campbell. But even in that role, I just don't see, and even with the the type of humor in this that they had this film. I don't see Bruce Campbell fitting into it. Um, what, um, now what did was kind of in the very early stages when they were kind of, this film was in pre-production, they had what were thought about casting William Defoe to be Valak and Dolph Lundgren 
to be jacked. Hmm. Dolph Lundgren is Jack Crow. <sighs> I don't think Ivan Drago uh, yeah. the, the chops to pull off that type of dialogue. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't. Yeah. Because like the and, way the way James Wood played him, it was just you know you gotta have a certain acting style, and I, I just don't see Dolph Lundgren doing it. And I don't see uh I don't see the Green Goblin being able to uh, to pull off uh, Valak. I mean I love William Dafoe. Uh, he's played in a lot of great films. Uh, you know whether it was Spider Man. Um, I even I remember seeing him in uh, Shadow of a Vampire. Um, another movie I remember remember him being in. Um, he was in John Wick. He was in Daybreakers. I've seen him. Ah, Thomas is another one that I loved him in, but I do not see him being able. Not, him being Valak makes Valak completely different. I think actually it would probably it would have been, it made more of a sense for Dolph Lundgren to play Valak than it would have been for William Dafoe to play Valak. If oh. that's the direction they're going with. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that would have been interesting. But yeah, uh, let's uh, get in some final thoughts and ratings for this uh you want to go first yeah you know with this one let's go with uh um let's go with crossbows that's a very okay. uh, crossbows crossbows a, good a most important weapon in this film it is this film i'm gonna give it um three out of five crossbows i do enjoy this film i enjoy this because of the action i enjoy it because of the crude humor um this isn't by any stretch of imagination, this isn't like a Academy Award winning film. It's not going to win. Um, it wasn't going to win a Golden Globe. It wasn't going to win an Oscar. Um, I definitely do. You know, when you look at films that are, you know, especially five or even four, you know, if there's things that could have been different. I think there are things that could have been different with it. But it is a, you know, it's a fun film. It's a film that I definitely would say it's a popcorn film. It's something that you can sit down. You can definitely uh, breeze through. Um, and watch and have it enjoy some and i enjoy the characters especially the character of jack uh, played by james wood and the character montoya played by daniel baldwin so uh for that reason for the characters i give it uh three out of five crossbows hmm. three out of five well wow. uh so I, uh like i said before uh i really i, I really enjoyed this film uh, i remember seeing it years ago and we we picked it again. I was happy. I was looking forward to revisiting it. I didn't expect me myself to enjoy it as much as I did. It, it was it was just really fun. It it just it just felt like a, a western meets a vampire film. And uh, you put it uh, best. It, it's just a fun. It's just a fun popcorn film that you just sit down and watch. And uh, you know, it, it, it's by no means you know a you know Academy Award winning film. <laughs> Like you said, uh, but I loved I loved all the uh, er, I loved almost everybody in this. Uh, James Wood was amazing as Jack Crow. Uh, I loved Daniel Baldwin as uh, Montoya. Uh, well, another thing I really liked about this movie, this movie had a lot of great practical effects uh, over CGI, which you know I'm always a sucker for. I always prefer practical effects over CGI any day. So uh, I uh, I'm glad that they went that approach, and I really like that. 
Uh, I think the only, the only, honestly, the only real issue. I mean, the pacing was great. I mean, I, I enjoyed the story and everything. The only real issue I had with this movie was there was a lot of a lot of crude language that I wish the that I wish you know was different about it. But you know, this was also a different a different age, and it was kind of okay to kind of say stuff like that. Uh, so uh, I, I didn't care for that. Uh, I didn't really care for the portrayal of, of how the, uh, the uh, I think uh, Daniel Baldwin's character was kind of slapping around. Uh, Show was smacking Cheryl Lee's character around like throughout the, most of the movie. I didn't like that too much. And uh, uh, well, like I said, uh, uh, Balak, I kind of wish he looked more intimidating because he just looked too much like Morbius from Spider-Man to me. And that's all I kept seeing every time I saw him. But but other than that, that's really my only complaints. Uh, uh, I actually put this movie in my honorable mentions in favorite vampire movies on the Dead Santa Carla podcast's uh, vampire uh, rankings episode that we just recently did. So uh, with all that, uh, I'm actually going to give it four crossbows out of five. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, I, I, for me, it's, I hate giving halves. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I yeah see, I like that. Yeah. I, I probably would have given it three and a half. I think there's some things I wouldn't like. For me, the big one would have been I. I like the character Montoya. I think they're his the way his character ended and, and the whole portrayal with him and Katrina could have been it, it, it should have been different in my opinion, which would have made it uh, better. Um, and that's why you know for me I kind of I'm stuck between that three or five. But I, you know, there's some things I feel like could have been improved that could have made the the film drastically uh, a little bit better. With the uh, with the I do agree with you having you know realistic effects instead of CGI is you know it's it's way better but there's some things that just was like uh, like the first death um who it was by I think his his name is Mark Boone I remember him in uh, in Sons of Anarchy uh, he played Bobby in Sons of Anarchy where he he's the one that the first one where Val puts his hand through him and it goes up. And you see him all of a sudden, like it cuts away to Valak, and it cuts back to him, and you could just like, oh, you can tell that's a fake body. So yeah. It's just like you know things like that. You know, for me, it could have been tweaked a little bit to where maybe that didn't need to happen. Yeah, um, yeah, I noticed that with uh, the scene where Mon, uh, the scene where Montoya uh, shoots the. Uh, the, the the spear crossbow thing uh, went to save uh, Jack Crow. If you there's a certain part, if you look closely, you can see it's just a it's a uh, awful looking dummy uh, on the cross instead of Jack. Yeah, you know, and one of the things that potentially could have caused this was um, when the film was in pre-production. Originally, the film had was going to be given a fifty to sixty million dollar budget according to uh, some of the information I found. And to go from a 50 to $60 million budget to a $20 million budget, I'm sure that um, that definitely probably would have affected some of the things, how things were done. Oh, yeah, for sure. This would have had a way bigger budget. This definitely would have, uh, it would have, uh, it would have had a better feel as far as, like, effects-wise effects and stuff. Yeah, but, I mean... 
and I'm like the reason I bring that up is not only was that happen, it happened at the from what I read was at the last minute. So yeah, you know that is a uh, and the other thing too I from what my understanding is once a film is ready to go into production, like you're losing money every single day. So it's not something they could just you know halted production and be like oh let's rewrite the script and let's rewrite these things and take this out and move this because the you know every second that you're not shooting you're still paying you're still costing yourself money yeah uh but yeah uh man the, the, this was a fun uh a fun movie to revisit i'm glad we got to talk about it uh it's been fun doing vampires in january uh I, i've enjoyed this this themed month thing that we do and like uh even though i i don't want to do it every month uh I do want to, you know, cut every couple of months. I do kind of want to do like theme to month uh, and everything. And I have a few ideas I'll I'll throw your way and we'll and, uh, we'll figure it out. But yeah, uh, well, uh, everybody, we uh, well that concludes our review of John Carpenter's Vampires, and uh, we hope everybody enjoyed this episode. And we just want to say thank you, everybody, for supporting us so far, and everybody who's been with us from the beginning or anybody who's just now heard of us thank you all so much for your support we, we couldn't do it without you and uh thanks to all of our friends uh on the Slashcast podcast network uh we love being a part of the network and it's always fun going on other people's shows and just uh support all of them if if, if, you, if you don't already highly recommend checking out all the shows on the network and especially thank you to our editor, Carmen Childers, who just continues to, to, to make this sound good every week. And we can't thank you enough and appreciate you so much for all your all your work. Uh, uh, JR, you got anything? Yeah, you know, shout out to Carmen. He's been making some moves lately. I've been, you know, on if you go to his, um, if you go to his Twitter, um, at uh, Carmen M. Childers. Uh, that's Carmen, C-A-R-M-E-N. Uh, M C H I L D E R S. You can see our good friend Carmen is making some moves out there, and uh, I wish him all the best with the stuff he's doing, especially with you on the TNA podcast. And then also, if you're not following uh, Dennis Santa Carla, please do. Kyle and I, as well as our friend from the the Lane Ship, we were a part of Dennis Santa Clara with a special bonus episode where we counted down our top five favorite vampire films. I believe I'm shopping next week, as well as you get to see. Our beautiful faces on uh, Dennis Santa Carla's uh, YouTube channel because it'll also be dropped on YouTube as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I say beautiful faces sarcastically because I have a face that not even a mother could love. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, I'm just playing with you. I'm a beautiful human being. I'm just modest about it. Anyways, but yeah, um, it was great being part of Dennis and Carlos podcast yesterday with you and uh, Lane and Brian and Andy. It was so much fun. I love those guys. They're hilarious. And, you know, that's it. Uh, it we, I look forward to our next next show. It's a big show. It's This is the one that uh, you selected for a very special reason. And oh, yeah. I know what our next one is, Kyle. Uh, I think we're keeping a secret for right now because, uh, yeah. Secret. But... It, it, it was this episode will drop on Friday the 29th, and I think uh, later that weekend I'll I'll put up the graphic for what we're doing in February. But yet, 
I'll put it this way. I'm excited um, because this is a this is a film. I'll be honest. I've never seen. Oh wow. Yeah, I, and you know, again, it's you know my story. The reason why I haven't seen things, but I've heard a yeah. lot of good things about it, and it's it. There is a somewhat of a connection with this, a little bit of a connection with the with the character uh, dynamic and what our love of wrestling, which is why it's kind of surprising I've never seen it before. But I I am looking forward to it because, like I said, I've heard a lot of good things, and and I'm it's gonna be a great episode, and especially the ones that we're passionate about, you know, especially like for me with Halloween. That's what makes the win so much better. So this is gonna yeah. be a fun episode. I can't wait for next week. Yeah, I can't wait. And the only the only hint I can drop is it's my favorite film of all time. So it's gonna be a fun one. I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, but but not just that. All of February we we're only gonna be doing three movies in February. We're gonna take one of the weeks. We're gonna just take a break one week. But uh, uh we got some fun stuff coming up February, and we're gonna have some fun special guests. On a couple of those episodes, which is gonna be which is gonna be great, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm excited for it. And uh, before I forget, before we close out this episode, uh, one last little plug I forgot to uh, add. Uh, our good friends uh, Cece and Jess, the Scream Queens, they just recently dropped uh, dropped a merch for the first time. That they finally have Scream Queens merchandise on T-shirts that you can buy. I've already picked up uh, my shirt. It's supposed to be in the mail. It should be in the mail tomorrow, actually. Uh, so hopefully I'll have that tomorrow. But uh, yeah, I highly recommend uh, going to their page and buying merch from them. Uh, yeah, if you go to actually, if you go to their Twitter um, at Screen Queens 85, they have a link tree that if you click on it, it'll pull up their link tree where they have connected to their uh, um, merchandise. They created an amazing new logo. I love their logo so much. Yeah. yeah you was... can get everything from T-shirts, tank tops, hoodies. I mean, you can get masks. You can get uh, phone cases. You can, get a, you can even get a pillow. You get a Scream Queen pillow. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the that awesome logo was designed by Brian of Dead and Santa Carla Podcast. Yeah, so I yeah definitely support um, our, our horror sisters um, and their merchandise. Like I said, that you can get... There's pretty much anything I do. I need to actually reach out to them because I want a hat, and that's the only thing that I don't see on here is a hat. <laughs> oh well, yeah. Uh, make sure to pick up merch from them, and also from our friends Dead in Santa Carla. Uh, they have all kinds of merch on their on their page as well, and I'm sure other people on the podcast network have have uh, have merch as well that uh, highly recommend picking up and checking out. But yeah, thanks everybody for listening to this episode and joining us, and thank you all for your continued support. And uh, we look forward to next week, and we hope you do too. And we hope everybody has a good night, and stay uh, safe out there. And with that, we must uh, bid you adieu. Goodbye, good night, stay creepy, bang.